G'day and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast coming to you from Melbourne, Australia broadcast from the studios of 3CR your only radio left my name is Susanna Duffy in this episode of Left After Breakfast we'll catch up with the Royal Commission into RoboDebt We'll shine a light on two former useless Prime Ministers jaunting overseas and we'll have a good look at cannabis. 3CR And an update on robo-debt. The Federal Government has formally accepted all of the recommendations from the Robo-Debt Royal Commission. There is a sealed section of that report and it remains secret. And the details of any criminal investigations are not known. But the Public Service Commissioner is investigating 16 workers referred by the Royal Commission. The Royal Commissioner, Catherine Holmes, made 56 recommendations, including more face-to-face service support options, more social workers, clear review processes where decisions have been automated, an oversight body that can audit automated decisions, and six-year limits on debts. So the government has agreed to every recommendation, also agreeing in principle where there are details that must be worked through. The Attorney-General, Mark Dreyfus, repeated that the scheme was a shameful chapter in Australian history that destroyed the lives of innocent people. This was not an innocent mistake, he said. This was a deliberate, calculated scheme. In essence, people were traumatised on the off chance that they might owe money. Bill Shorten said the government had already begun progressing reforms including hiring additional service workers and ending the use of external debt collectors. Oh, thank God. We're still waiting, listener, for Peter Dutton to apologise for the sins of his predecessors. The real shame of it all is that the scheme was invented under Abbott, expanded under Turnbull and doubled down on by Morrison. But what's been deafening, absolutely deafening, has been the lack of remorse shown by the current front bench of the Liberal Party, including Dutton. What an appalling thing it is that Morrison and members of his cabinet knowingly and criminally attacked the most fragile and disadvantaged people in our society. What cowards they are. And we, the public, we need to remember robo-debt and to ensure that no such criminal scheme can ever come up again. Regular listeners to this program will know that the BL from the bush was carefully, painstakingly following the Royal Commission into RoboJet. Here's an archival tape taken in the middle of the commission to remind you of what went on under that appalling scheme. Morning, comrade. Morning, listener. 
being off in the bush calling in, hoping you are all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm still on about the uh, robo-debt. See a struggling ad, kick it, robo-debt Royal Commission. Just want to give you a little update and have a quick talk to you about that. I see a struggling ad and kick it, robo-debt Royal Commission. It concluded last week. You know, if it was a book, uh, it would be a Stephen King bestseller. Full of horror stories, deceit, lies, suicide, denial, blaming laziness and incompetence on everyone else but themselves. The politicians and senior public servants' catch cry for this Royal Commission seems to be one of the same, the same old story, and that was, I did not know, I was not told, I was entitled to rely on public servants. And uh, that listener was on a repeated loop throughout the uh, throughout the commission hearings. So we just look at a couple of other phrases that sort of got kicked around the place. A strong welfare cop on the beat. We will find you. We will track you down. You will have to repay those debts. You may end up in prison. And I was doing it for solidarity of the cabinet. What a laugh that was. This was uh, some of the defence that was was offered by these taxpayer-funded employees for their incompetence, lying, negligence and out of lack of sympathy for those struggling to understand the illegal system they help implement and now defend. There was one public servant, Serena Wilson, who tipped the can on this cruel government. She put a hand up, uh, listener, and uh, admitted that it was wrong and she failed in her duty. But she also also had a bit to say, listener, and uh, I'll just give you a bit, of, a bit of what she said. They had a strong view of deserving and undeserving poor. From the 2014 budget through to the 2018 budget, the vast majority of my work involved identifying savings options to cut social security expenditure. I have built a career trying to improve lifetime well-being and address the needs of disadvantaged people. But, in my opinion, there was little empathy for or understanding of those needs within the coalition government and ministerial staff. Good on you. In some respects, it appeared that Social Security payments for working aged people were seen by the government principally as a lever for behavioural change, Miss Wilson states. And then she goes on and then she tips a can on the, the coalition's hit list. And this is something else that, you know, they, they've been playing around with this for, for, for quite a while. It, it was first mooted in the 2014 budget. And that was the budget under Abbott, and that was the that was when probably the most woeful and indignant picture of all time was taken, and that was with the cigar smoking Matisse Corman and Joe Hockey after they put down that dirty budget. And so I'll just go on with some of these uh, proposals that were still out there and about for um, for this robo debt and, and for these people to implement. 
applying the six-month waiting period for job seekers under 30 and only paying six months income support in any 12-month period as an incentive for full-time study or obtaining employment. Taking unpaid state fines out of income support payments. Compulsory deducting rents. Mandating school attendance for children in respect of whom family tax benefits was received. Denying income support to people who had outstanding warrants. Requiring parents receiving income support to undertake compulsory parenting or child-focused activities. Reducing childcare assistance and family tax benefits to parents whose children did not have up-to-date immunisations. Trailing drug testing of new claimants for income support and requiring those who tested positive to undertake rehabilitation and treatment. Restricting overseas travels for people on income support, including for aged pensioners. Mandating the post-secondary courses that students could pursue. You know, that's just some of the lengths that this cruel, vindictive government was prepared to go to. But this was all ready to be implemented. This was all ready to be carried out. So, you know, just never forget, never ever forget what these mongrels, what these mongrels can do to you. And yeah, it's all it's all targeted at one one particular people. That's the most vulnerable. I've been watching this some of the evidence and everything given and some of the victim statements. And I've got to tell you, uh, listen, they're, they're pretty harrowing. The victims of the scheme spoke, scope up for what should matter, what a social security needs to protect and deliver. You know, Sandra Bevan is a single mother, she's four boys, who works in disability support, told us about the experience of correctly reporting income and not being listened to. It was so traumatic that she, she swore she would never access Centrelink benefits ever again. Bevan is a powerful reminder of where courage, strength and leadership are found in our society. So, listen, look, I really would, I would encourage you to look look at her testimony. You can get it on the website, on the government website there, um, and just type in her name. It'll come up. I've got to tell you, the... Uh, a listener, that it's it's chilling and it's very confronting what, what she has to say and how she said it and what she was going through at the time. Yeah, just, just that's absolutely gobsmacking. Now, in, in the final block of the commission, there's another victim, Matthew Thompson. Uh, he sort of summed up what he felt drove RoboDebt, and this is what he had to say. It seems to me that the powerful people are always able to take advantage of the vulnerable people. As the gap between rich and poor increases still, and no matter how many royal commissions we have, that always seems to be the case. And I hope this royal commission can change that. Now, that was just what his thoughts on it was. Now, Commissioner Holmes, now she's a real, she's a, she went out of the box this year like, she was the um, Queensland Chief Justice. The thing with her is that, you know, being that job in Queensland, you know, that knows a little bit about corruption and, and, and stuff going on up there. And to watch her during this uh, commission and for her to be so taken aback and the expressions on her face that she was just 
She she herself was horrified, and she's seen some pretty hard things, you know, in her pre- previous jobs. And for her to be to, to be affected that way, you know, it, it it just goes beyond belief. But anyway, Commissioner Holmes, she could only give us like a simple human response. Somehow, all at once, it spoke to her commitment, the limits on her role, the history of all commissions and the reality of the system as it currently is. And she said, I'm afraid I can't promise you that, but we'll do what we can. Uh, she's, uh, she's, very, she's been very good all the way through it. If there's anything we've learned from this see out struggling Ed kick at Robodet Royal Commission, it is that you should never be forgotten what lengths politicians and senior public servants will go to implement an illegal scheme for self-preservation and political gain and take no responsibility for the wake and misery and destruction that's left behind them. And that's quite evident all the way through it, uh, is that was this don't care attitude. Some said, oh, yes, we knew that it may have been wrong or the dismissal of legal evidence and it was forgotten about, it was ignored, and, oh, yeah, well, we thought it was bad, but, you know, we just carried on. They, they did it with guts, so they, they believed in what they were doing as far as I'm concerned. And, and listen, this should never, ever be forgotten. It should be on every billboard in the country. Don't forget RoboDebt. Or more than the fact, listener, don't ever forget what this mob are capable of doing, doing to the most vulnerable people in our society. The, the, the easy mark. And what did it cost? What's it cost the taxpayer? The taxpayer still hasn't been, still hasn't finished paying for this yet. As I said, said early doors, it was about, yeah, we're starting price on this whole, whole fiasco is $2 billion and it's still going. That's probably about it for me, uh, listener. What this, what this illegal scheme has left in its wake. Uh, I'll go out the same old way, dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast, the only show left. Well, thanks again for your input, BL from the bush. I'll sing you a song if you lend an ear about something that happened way down here in Australia 2015. Tony Abbott needed money, you see, after something they called the GFC, Global Financial Crisis. And Scott Morrison was just the man, he and Maurice came up with a plan to steal from the poor and to give it to the rich. tax recovery big companies have lawyers you see and the poor well they got nothing so the nerds and human services had a robot built with loose rules and a taste for blood they said it would collect 1.5 billion Then out went the notices for debts to students, moms, and homeless vets. And the dollars began to roll in. 
But Bill Shorten, Labor and the Greens started getting calls from across the land. People were dying out there. Well, debts went out to folks that were dead. Pensioners vulnerable had a price on their head. And no one in the government cared. Several inquiries were brought It didn't look good for the government So now you can read just yesterday The Royal Commission had its say Cost the government 1.9 billion The Robo Dead Talking Blues in true Woody Guthrie style from Daniel Kelly. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au Two men who like to call themselves what they think are cool social media type names Scomo and Bojo, otherwise known as Scott Morrison and Boris Johnson, they're the perfect visitors to Benjamin Netanyahu's Israel. Two incompetent former Prime Ministers arriving to support a country betrayed by the incompetence of its own Prime Minister. Their visit could only be made more perfect if they were joined by another right-wing leader renowned for his uselessness. What a pity that Trumpo is otherwise occupied and can't join them. On the surface, the main purpose of Scott and Boris Johnson's joint visit to the Middle East is to showcase their credentials as staunch right-wing supporters of Israel. But that's not really it, is it, listener? They're trying to remain relevant. Two derelict and disgraced former Prime Ministers. Bleating, look at me, look at me, I'm still important. Scott, of course, thinks he's really important. And that any drivel he throws out at you should be taken seriously. Scott told television reporters from Channel 9 here in Australia that he did not back any calls for a ceasefire. No, I don't support a ceasefire, he said. A ceasefire would simply advantage Hamas to be able to strengthen their positions and make this war go on for even longer. You remember Scott, while he was Prime Minister in 2018, said that Australia should move its embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to West Jerusalem, recognising the city as Israel's capital. The current government we have now quickly reversed that move. But in the meantime, Scott has got some nice photographs of himself 
for his dining room wall, standing there with a flak jacket and a supercilious smirk. Well done. 3CR While I'm on the subject of incompetent and useless former Prime Ministers, I mustn't forget Tony Abbott and his latest rant about climate change. Speaking in London, he said warnings of human-induced climate change were utterly implausible criticising again what he calls the climate cult. He pointed to historical examples of warmer and cooler periods which had nothing to do with mankind's emission. We had a couple of ice ages, he said, nothing to do with our emissions. I think it needs to be repeated, ladies and gentlemen, he said. The climate cult will eventually be discredited. Now, these remarks from Tony Abbott came a week after scientists warned that Earth's vital signs are worse than at any time in human history, with 20 of the 35 planetary vital signs at record extremes, including July being the hottest the planet has been in 100,000 years. Now, don't forget that Abbott lost his seat in Warringah at the 2019 election to independent Sally Stegall, who campaigned heavily on stronger climate action. But Abbott still describes the so-called settled science of climate change as absolute crap. In fact, at one stage, he suggested that climate change was doing good. And he likened policies to combat climate change as primitive people killing goats to appease the volcano gods. Abbott says he believes voters will continue prioritising cost of living issues over emissions reduction. And he says that he was one of the very few national leaders elected to office by promising to end the emissions obsession which had dominated energy policy for the last 20 years. 3CR I'd just like to have a little chat about cannabis. I'm sure you know what cannabis is, listener. You're an educated person. Or you could be like me and have come across it in your youth. Or maybe last week. I don't know. I don't care. But I want to have a little chat about cannabis. One hectare of cannabis produces as much oxygen as 25 hectares of forest. One hectare of cannabis produces the same amount of paper as four hectares of trees. When it comes to recycling and reusing, cannabis can be turned into paper eight times. A tree can be turned to paper three times. A crop of cannabis grows in four months, a tree somewhere between 20 and 50 years. Cannabis can be grown anywhere in the world and it needs very little water. Also, because it can keep insects away, it doesn't need pesticides. If textiles produced from cannabis become generalised, the pesticide industry 
could disappear completely. The first jeans were made of cannabis. Even the word canvas was the name that cannabis products got. Cannabis is also an ideal plant for the production of ropes, laces, handbags, shoes and hats. Cannabis can reduce the side effects of chemotherapy and radiation therapy in the treatment of cancer. It can be used and is used for at least 250 diseases such as rheumatism, heart problems, epilepsy, asthma, stomach disease, insomnia and spinal stiffness. Cannabis production is even cheaper than soya. Animals that eat cannabis don't need hormone supplements. Now all plastic products can be made from cannabis and that plastic is very easy to return to nature. You can make a car body from cannabis and it will be 10 times stronger than steel. It can be used for insulation of buildings. It's durable, it's cheap, and it's flexible. Soaps and cosmetics made from cannabis don't pollute water, so they're completely environmentally friendly. Now, why aren't we using it? Because Randolph Hearst owned newspapers and magazines in the United States in the early part of the 20th century. Hearst had forests and he produced paper. If paper were made of cannabis, it could have cost him millions. Rockefeller was the richest man in the world. He was an oil company owner. Biofuel from cannabis oil was, of course, his biggest enemy. The DuPont Company had a patent for the production of plastic from oil derivatives and the cannabis industry threatened its market. So today, forests are cut for paper production, plague, poisoning and cancer are on the rise and then we fill our world with plastic waste, harmful waste. Why aren't we using cannabis? We should be asking our members of parliament. We should be seriously asking them. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the ride. See you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, it's cheerio and ciao from Left After Breakfast. And I'll leave you with Snoop Lion. Every day, don't smoke the seeds, no way. Smoke the weed, hey, smoke the weed. Younger generation, young boys and girls. Be careful of the seeds you show. If you want to see a strong tree grow, you got to prepare for the future. Show respect, don't neglect Mother Nature. All the pollution in this world, me just can't stand it. Global warming, make the whole world panic. Take care of Mother Earth. Cause I should be the planet Youth man don't go astray
Fresh trees, young seeds, all trying to find a light Stretching out their limbs to the sun Guide them right, help them keep their life on track Watch out for like a satellite Tell them where to stop and go like a traffic light Any obstacles to overcome in the city life Making sure they stay pure, teach them what's wrong for right Seed brings forth new life Smoke the weed Every day Don't smoke the seeds No way Smoke the weed Fight the herb, me can't stand it Me a sow the seed Babylon, can't come step on it Me a mix the weed with all the grey ghosts and tannic Youth man no stop on the chronic Everyday, hey 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 Me roll the weed up Take a few strands and me mix a couple breed up Can't stand it when some boy go The seed up Me no do that he get cheat up I me say herb, herb What we a prefer Them a juggle it on the fish tree curb And the youth a say weed is life Smoke the weed